Hello and welcome to another episode of the IWP Files, the Alumni Spotlight Series, where we delve into the successes, the challenges, the advice, and the lessons learned. From a national security graduate's perspective, here is your host, Katie Bridges. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Lieutenant Colonel Gavin Rice, a 2014 graduate of the Professional Master of Arts in Strategic and International Studies at the Institute of World Politics. Um, Gavin is currently working as a team lead within the Chairman's Action Group at the Pentagon. He is speaking with us today, today in his personal capacity and not on behalf of the U.S. Army. Um, Gavin, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Katie. I appreciate it. So I'd love to I'd love to start out by asking about your work at the Pentagon. Um, what do you do on a day to day basis? Uh, well, as you mentioned, I'm privileged to serve on the Joint Staff and the Chairman's Action Group. And in that capacity, the team and I uh, we inform and advance the Chairman's uh, intent and uh, the things he wants to accomplish during his tenure. Of course, he has Title Ten responsibilities, uh, functions, and duties. Um, some of those are as principal military advisor to the president of the United States, uh, global integrator. Um, additionally, he also supports strategic planning, contingency planning, and then he owes a risk assessment. So we help draft those things, um, support those initiatives. Uh, when he has congressional testimony or briefings with POTUS or the SECDEF, we help draft those and, and prepare those things across the staff. We're also a staff integrator. Um, a lot of the the uh, joint jaders or, or joint directories, they've got different initiatives. And sometimes those things can get stovepiped. So we help try to see what the chairman sees and help him give that uh, a little bit more context in that 5,000 foot look. And then we look outside the organization, whether it's academia, private sector, industry, to try to help frame the globe a little bit for him. Um, so those are just some of the things. We also help manage his calendar. His time is very precious. It's uh, continuously consumed with not just his, his responsibilities, but things he wants to achieve within his tenure. So we help manage the, those things on a day-to-day -day basis. So That's great. What is it like to work with a brand new chairman? Uh, we met with him recently, very recently, um, got some of his guidance. It's very exciting because we've had four years of a chairman and how he does business. And now I've got a new chairman, and so there's a change. And so with change comes a little bit of dread, but a lot of excitement because it's just something new. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want to um, make sure that we're catering to whatever he needs at any given time. Um, and because it's certainly within national security, it's a dynamic environment. Mm -hmm. And so we need to help him navigate that as much as possible. Yeah, good luck with this new adventure. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about the trajectory of your career. Um, you know, I, I know you're kind of working at the highest levels right now. Um, how did you get interested in this field and how did you end up where you are now? How much time do we have? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll try to give you a, a little bit of as much of a synopsis as possible. Mm -hmm. So 28 years in military service since 1995. Uh, I've been in service. Um, and the four years of that was at the academy. Three combat deployments between Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, tours to Europe and Korea, several bilateral, multilateral relationships, working with NATOs and uh, allies and partners. Um, so, so far, it's, it's, it's been uh, pretty great. That all kind of started with, in the 1980s, uh, G.I. Joe. 
you know, be all you can be. That was the era. That was the motto. And things have come around again. Now it's be all you can be with the army again. Yeah. Um, so, so I've always been interested in defense. It didn't seem like anybody in GI Joe ever died. They always parachuted out the last <laughs> minute. So it seemed like a good profession at the time. That's um, great. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, graduated high school early, um, enlisted, uh, and then I, about three years in, I got the opportunity with a senior leader um, to go to the prep school in the academy. So I went to the prep school in the academy, um, graduated in 2002 as an infantry officer, and then started my career as an infantry officer. Uh, 2008, um, I was wounded and uh, came back um, to some unfortunate circumstances. And so it, it was kind of a, an opportunity for a career change. So I branched to functional area 59, which is strategy plans and policy. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing that since I think 20, 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's been, it's been great. I can kind of go where I want. I can support who I want. Um, there's no um, key and developmental assignments where that you have to meet these certain gates. You can, you're kind of the master of your own destiny. We, you're out of the command track and more of in a, a staff capacity. So it's been it's been really really rewarding i'm i'm very happy that's great um and so how can can just anybody choose to become an fa59 or how does that process work so at the time uh they kind of just selected you to okay. be an fa50 59 now they're a little bit more discriminatory with their with their process if you want to change between the branch you're in mm -hmm. uh, whether it's infantry armor or even uh, some of the other operational support branches and to be a 59 there's a there's a board process mm -hmm. you have to submit a, an essay or a writing sample um, and then uh, they review that and determine whether or not you can transition to to be a 59. so not that i was forced into it um initially uh, being strategist didn't appeal to me um, but somebody came along and said, hey, why don't you take a harder look at it and think about where you want to be 10 years from now, instead of kind of going with what you think your career path is. And, and that person gave me some pretty good advice. So, you know, I married her and <laughs> it's, it's been so uh, pretty sweet. awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I initially uh, wanted to listen to myself and uh, do the standard path, but mm -hmm. she, um, she thought it would be a good idea to kind of switch it up and, and she was right. So. It's good. That's so great. Yeah. Aw. Well, good. Was it was it hard to switch from tactics to strategy? Uh so there's some there's some adjustments. Uh mm -hmm. you think a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. Um I think the biggest challenge is probably when you're thinking about the strategic or operational or tactical level of war, they've all got their own nuances and mm -hmm. own uh, things you have to consider. Uh, if, if you do something at a strategic level, you automatically need to think how that affects operations or operational level of war. Oh, and then how does that affect the folks at the tactical level? Um, that's why I thought it was important uh, during my career to go to SAW, the School of Advanced Warfighting at the Marine Corps University, mm -hmm. to learn to be an operational level planner. So what I'm thinking about at the strategic level mm -hmm. makes sense at the operational level, and I could apply it to my tactical experience that I've already already had. Okay. So I try to be the full gamut, but I'm certainly still learning. Yeah. So uh, it's it's been good. I'm kind of a, a war planner. I kind of build myself as a war planner. Uh, I enjoy um, writing campaign plans, working with allies and partners mm -hmm. to write campaign plans, whether they're unilateral and they have to tie into some bilateral plans. Um, but I've done that 
in Europe and, and Afghanistan. So it's it's been a challenge, but also a lot of fun. Do you get to see the results of what, of your work? Uh, you know, somebody once told me that um, a true genius doesn't get to see the fruits of their labor in their lifetime, yeah. <laughs> or at least in their tenure. It seems mm -hmm. like as a staff officer, you're always working on something to hand it off uh, to somebody else. Uh, one thing I did get to see to come to fruition was I helped build the combined division in Korea. So it was mm -hmm. at the division level in Korea, it was the second infantry division. They wanted to incorporate Republic of Korea soldiers and staff officers into the division. Mm -hmm. And so I worked real hard for a whole year to make that happen. And we got those officers in there uh, at the end of my tenure. And so now the combined div division has a, a tab over it. They work uh, shoulder to shoulder uh, in the division staff. They already had it at um, higher levels in Korea. Uh, they had it down at, at the lowest level, but not really at the division level, which is the highest echelon of tactical level. So it was good to actually see that. I got to go to the the uh, rock pentagon a couple times that was uh, pretty interesting um got wow. to spend some cultural time with them mm -hmm. and that translates to you get to go out and have a few drinks and uh just spend some time with those folks so it was it was really very rewarding that was probably one of my favorite things to to kind of see like you said to see those things come to fruition so that's so cool yeah wow um so um, how did going to grad school at IWP fit into your career plans? So I think in the year I was assessed, to, did sessions into being a, uh, a strategist, there's a required course called BSAP, Basic Strategic Arts Program. It's out of Carlisle. And I think the year, that year or the year before, they made BSAP uh, mandatory for promotion. Mm -hmm. So all the senior officers, I was a captain at the time, um, all the senior officers that had not really decided not sort of self-elected not to go to that course, uh, they just didn't go. And so they decided to rush and get into the course. And so mm -hmm. all, the, all the folks that were coming up, there was no slots to go. So I think the branch decided to develop a program, a side program with the Institute of World Politics um, to do an equivalency. And so uh, I think there was about 20 of us in 2012, 2013 that mm -hmm. um, did the certificate program. And then I stayed on to do the actual master's program. So, um, yeah, we, <laughs> we bill ourselves or we call ourselves kind of the black sheep of the 59 community. There's only a few of us left that are still actually in. But it was it was a great instead of spending four four months, three, four months, maybe five months at Carlisle, you get to spend a year working with, you know, scholar practitioners, other students. It's a civilian school. It's a civilian university or civilian college. So I thought it was very, very rewarding. And I'm very happy for my experience here, which brings me to why I'm here today. So it's good. That's awesome. What was it like as, as with your military background coming back to a civilian school? Uh, it, it was, uh, we're very structured, <laughs> so um, it was it was a challenge. There's there's an adjustment because mm -hmm. there's different personalities, and you're usually in an environment where somebody says something, and that's the way it usually goes, or that's the way it does go. Uh, in the environment here, it was a little bit more free thinking, and you know, tell me what I need to know versus I'm not going to tell you what to think, but or how to think. Excuse me, but mm -hmm. uh, what to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what to think, but how to think. So, mm -hmm. um, in that regard, it was it was it was good. I had Professor Sigronis. Um, never have I been so frustrated 
with a professor than I have with, I've told him this story oh, no. about a thousand, a thousand times. <laughs> I've never been so frustrated in his uh, national security policy process when he was grading my papers. And I, I thought it was a good writer until I ran into to him. And, and uh, so there was a little bit of a learning curve, but that was by far one of my favorite classes. And he's just, a, he's just a great, great teacher. So did he, did he help you progress? Oh yeah. In this oh, area? oh yeah. He was, he <laughs> was good. very supportive. He was very supportive in several iterations <laughs> later. I, I kind of, I, I finally figured out like what he was looking for and how things need to flow. And when you're writing or thinking at that level, mm-hmm. it's important to have, um, clarity and brevity. Uh, and I've carried that lesson uh, until now when it's more important now than actually ever. So mm-hmm. it's good. Were you able to, I know that a lot of students come here and they try to gear their classes toward what they're going to be doing in mm-hmm. their workplace. Mm-hmm. Were you able to gear your studies toward what you were going to be doing in the army? Um, because of the nature of the, the program, mm-hmm. uh, at least on the outset was prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, there was a, a kind of a pipeline and things that, that the army wanted. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of followed that. Um, I will say though, that I didn't really understand or have an appreciation for uh, American founding principles mm-hmm. until I actually got out of IWP and kind of back into the force. I have won more arguments based on that class <laughs> than any other class that I've taken here. Um, and because uh, founding principles is important, you know, rooted in natural law and, and um, yeah, that, that was, at the time I just didn't, understand it or like, why am I learning this? And yeah, this is important for the why. Like arguments about what to do at work or? Well, just or um, like why we're doing what we're why doing. We do, or... Why we're doing what we're doing. Okay. Like this is why yeah. this is important. And then this is how it goes back to, you know, Plato, Socrates, um, and some of those foundational thinkers. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was, it just, you really, it opens the aperture to the point like, oh my gosh. I'm not just doing this because somebody a couple hundred years ago said this is a good idea. It goes back a lot further. Mm-hmm. And those things are important. And there's some trade-offs. Whether you're talking about development, continuing the, our uh, U.S. national experiment here, or mm-hmm. you're talking about a developing country, some of those principles, they, as far as foundationally, they're still true. They hold true. Mm-hmm. Um, the discussion about... Um, relative more relativism and, and absolutism those are just absolutely critical when you're we're um, talking about national security because there's a lot of gray area in there that we kind of operate in mm-hmm. and so to be able to say hey this is this is absolute there's there's no gray area here and be able to show why that is I, th- I think has served me very well throughout my career mm-hmm. so that's good wow, especially probably at the higher levels that you're working at right now yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Um, what was it like to go back to grad school in general, going from, you know, doing your day-to-day work to kind of being ensconced in the readings and papers? And Yeah. Uh, so, you, I mean, I don't wear a uniform, so yeah. you, you, you kind of, you have to dress the part. Um, it was good. I, I still, a lot of my classmates, I still talk to today uh, that, and I, what I mean by my classmates, not my military classmates, but my mm-hmm. the civilian folks that I met in class, I still talk to them today mm-hmm. um, and kind of ask their perspective on things. Because when you come through something together, you mm-hmm. tend to fall back on those relationships that you developed uh, at that given time. So uh, from a network perspective, it's been it's been great. Um, but it was it was definitely an adjustment, you know, commuting here and, you know, 
trying to get into a, a reading habit and taking notes. And I, you know, sometimes it felt like a, a right for life because <laughs> you want to learn everything mm -hmm. and you really want to, to kind of master your, your, um, your craft, so to speak. So mm -hmm. it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to wish it on myself anytime soon, but, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it was good. Awesome. Um, and is there anything that you did differently when you went back to work with the army in your strategy work as a result of your education here? Um, I mean, that kind of goes back to Dr. Wood's class as far yeah. as, um, anything else that I really did different. Yeah, I think there was. Okay. So, uh, what I, I think I, I did different is had a, certainly had a greater appreciation for the history that was involved in um, how defense and national security unfolds. Uh, so you've got a little bit of a, um, a backstop when it comes to situations during the Cold War or World War II or World War I, uh, the contingencies, contingencies in between Korea, Vietnam. Uh, what the, the school here is really good at is really pulling those things apart from a policy level down to a strategy and operational level and in, in understanding those impacts. Why that applies to work is we see a lot of those things day to day all the time. And so to be able to draw on those historical things for a framework, because every situation is different, um, it was very helpful. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, in Afghanistan, during uh, some of the withdrawal planning, I went back and, and I had remembered in some of my uh, classes with uh, Professor Tyranny, he had mentioned, you know, the, Wash the Russian withdrawal in Afghanistan. So I went back and read their AAR and read the long uh, kiss goodnight and to see kind of those best practices. How do we withdraw a little bit better? So during some of the planning, uh, at least in the initial stages and base closure, uh, we referenced those things. So that's, mm -hmm. I, I, I think the, just the appreciation and the the start point for those things I, I got from IWP. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Wow. Um, and just a, another advice question: How can a, a new student who's just starting their studies here make the most of their education? Um, I think the best thing is uh, to know yourself. Uh, you mentioned before, like, what was it like to come back to grad school? I, I thought I knew what my capabilities were and who I was and where I wanted to be. And then the school has a way of helping you refine, define, or redefine uh, what you think those are. Um, so just learning to know yourself. There's, there's ways to do that, whether you take a self-assessment. There are tests out there that you can take. Um, uh, and then once you figure yourself out, find a mentor uh, that is either in the position that you want or you have interested and work with that person to, to better understand, you know, the possibilities uh, with it throughout a career. Um, as far as specific studies go, read and take notes. <laughs> That's, uh, I mean, I still go back and reference notes like, what did, what did Professor Lenchowski say about that? Or what did Professor Hodekiewicz say about that? I don't know. Um, that would be some of the advice I would offer. Um, because yeah, especially in defense, it's, it seems like it's a perpetual voyage of discovery mm -hmm. and you don't know what you don't even know until you're there. But if you've got a great foundation, um, it's a lot easier to tackle. You can adjust a lot better.
So I, I do have another advice question for you, Gavin. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any advice for anyone who's looking to get into a career in defense? Um, I would say, and my Latin is absolutely terrible, sapere aude, which means dare to know. Um, that's actually the motto at the School of Advanced Warfighting, SAW, at uh, Marine Corps University. And uh, what, what that really means is, you know, do your own thinking. Be a critical thinker. A lot of people say, hey, when you do something, you need to be a critical thinker, but nobody can really define what being a critical thinker is. Um, ask questions. Uh, in, in defense, uh, quite a bit, um, we find ourselves in groupthink. Um, there's some techniques for groupthink mitigation, but just challenging ideas that have been out there. Um, you know, I, I'm never a big fan of, well, that's the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. um, you want to challenge those norms um, and be a creative thinker. That, that also means, you know, mastering your craft, uh, studying. Um, you know, I always try to say, at least on the military side of the house, we, I read doctrine because um, doctrine is best practice over time. It's almost like a history book. And, and unfortunately, in, all, in some cases, in a lot of cases, it's, it's bathed in, in, in blood. Of, um, uh, yeah, it's bathed in blood. And so I would say I try not to be doctrine. I try to be doctrinally sound, but not doctrinally bound. Mm -hmm. uh, once you understand your craft, once you understand what's out there um, and things you can draw from, it's a lot easier to be innovative. It's a lot easier to adapt things um, that you're actually working on. Um, you know, I, Professor Hodakiewicz always used to say, if you want a new idea, go read an old book. And so I've, I've actually used that and thought that way uh, quite a bit. And it's it's actually been very helpful. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, and looking back at your career up until now, what do you feel are, are some of the biggest impacts that you've made? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think I've made a lot, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> uh, just, just some uh, accomplishments um, recently uh, publishing the Army Special Operations Forces Strategy for 2030. That was my last assignment. That was a, a big accomplishment. It took us a couple of years to get that across the goal line. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's I think it's on their website. <laughs> um, the, the campaign that supports not only that strategy, but the Army strategy that's that they're uh, working through right now, the Special Operations Command strategy. Um, so making sure those things are all tied together and linked uh, and that we're advancing the institution of um, Army Special Operations forward. So uh, that was, at least at that assignment, that was a great accomplishment. Um, while I was in station in Europe, I had the privilege of working with allies and partners and host nations on you know, theater campaigns, bilateral plan, I think over 28 bilateral plans um, across uh, Europe. So that was that was pretty proud of that. And, and they were great to coordinate with. I think a lot of times we um, undervalue or underappreciate what they, our allies and partners really bring to the table. They are very capable mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and uh, more capable than us because of their access placement influence. Um, so I like to, I would like to think that I was influential and supporting them. I already mentioned the, the uh, combined division in Korea, that getting that across the goal line and getting those officers into the combined division at uh, Weijongbu. I think now it's moved down to, uh, further south. Um, mm -hmm was a great accomplishment. I, I was very happy with that. 
And I think uh, I also, also more recently is in Afghanistan, and I know it'll probably meet with some, with some uh, uh, a little bit of pushback, but on the initial uh, planning of the withdrawal of Afghanistan. So um, yeah, we, we did a lot of that planning. Unfortunately, it, it didn't um, go the way we wanted it in the end. Uh, but the reduction in violence, the reduction in force, uh, at least up to June of 2020, I had a lot of involvement in that. And so I'm very proud of that. And we were able to get some folks out early and close bases to set the conditions for future operations and uh, over the horizon capability. So, um, yeah, so those are so some of the big accomplishments that I'm pretty proud of. But you never get to see, like I, I think I alluded to earlier, you never get to see those things in your tenure. It's always... Mm-hmm. You know, later when somebody you run into somebody in the in the hallway or in a unit somewhere and, hey, how did this kind of fall out? And, oh, this is what happened. So uh, you don't you don't get gratified until later. But that's not why you do it for gratification. You do it because there's good people that are relying on you to do it. So, mm-hmm. well, Gavin, thank you so much for joining us today. It thank was a you. pleasure to speak with you. It's been a real pleasure. I, I'm really grateful to have the opportunity. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the IWP Files, the Alumni Spotlight Series. We hope you enjoyed our insightful conversation today. If you found this episode inspiring, educational, or simply entertaining, we'd love your support to keep our show going strong. First and foremost, don't forget to hit that subscribe button right now, wherever you're listening to us. Subscribing ensures you never miss an episode and helps us reach even more listeners like you. We'd be thrilled if you could share the IWP files with your friends, family, and colleagues. It's a fantastic way to introduce them to our engaging alumni stories and thought-provoking discussions. Connect with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The IWP and online at iwp.edu. We love hearing from our listeners. Our podcast is made possible by the Institute of World Politics in Washington, D.C. If you're passionate about international affairs, national security, intelligence, and the art of statecraft, visit iwp.edu to learn more about our programs and events. Finally, if you have any thoughts or suggestions, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We value your feedback and ideas. Thank you once again for tuning into the IWP Files, the Alumni Spotlight Series. We'll be back with more fascinating stories and insights from our alumni. Until then, stay curious and stay engaged.